right, so the reason why I am so long coming back to the microphone, it's the reason why it would take so long to come back after city council meetings. Because I can talk to anybody, but like I can talk for a really long time with Pat McCrory for some reason. <laughs> Just... Uh, so anyway, uh, what did I have on the agenda for today? I haven't, I apologize. I haven't even looked at emails. I haven't looked to see um, uh, if anybody has uh, had a question or something that they wanted to give to Pat McCrory, but uh, he's taken off and he did take the chair. I got pictures and even a video. I was actually, that's what I was doing. I was shooting a video of him walking away with the chair, but the chair has, look, I'm not going to say I made this happen, but. The chair was in this studio for two years, and then I sent out a single tweet or two and talked about it a good bit as well, and now it's gone. See, this is what I do. I'm all about solutions. It's what I'm all about solutions. This is what we do here. Solve the world's problems. All right. Um, by the way, uh, if you uh, have a coat that you want to get rid of, um, might I interest you in giving it to us? Well, not really us. Uh, we're actually teaming up with Charlotte Mechanical to help folks get new or like new coats through the 704 Coat Drive. You can uh, go buy one. That's great, obviously, if you buy a brand new coat. Uh, or if you have one that's like new, uh, you can give it a second life and... Uh, Give it to us as part of the 704 Coat Drive and, um, you know, help keep somebody warm. This is through the Salvation Army. You can also make a monetary donation to benefit the Salvation Army of Greater Charlotte. You can do it online or find the closest barrel. Uh, you can go to 704coatdrive.com. That's 704coatdrive.com. Uh, all righty. So let's get to some other stuff. The, um, the news today about Colin Powell. The uh, former chairman, Joint Chief, Secretary of State, uh, he, he died. It was announced today he died uh, of complications from COVID-19. And he was 84 years old. He also had multiple myeloma, which is a, a blood cancer. So his family put out the statement, right, that they said it was uh, COVID complications, but he had a pretty serious comorbidity. Plus, also, he was 84 years old. So I know there are a lot of people that are going to try to politicize it, and they're going to try to use his death to advance whatever um, cause they are pushing, whether it is pro-vaccination or anti-vaccination. And that's unfortunate. But at this point, Guys, like none of your anomalies, none of your anecdotes, none of your individual stories are persuasive. And I'm not sure everybody has uh, sort of come to this realization yet. Here is a piece. It's really terrible. At Bloomberg. Headline. How to deal with an anti-vaxxer at a holiday dinner. How to deal with an anti-vaxxer at a holiday dinner. This is the thing I don't understand, and I will, I will go over this. We had uh, my wife and I actually we had uh, 
went out to dinner this weekend with some friends. We hadn't seen him in several years. And uh, now that we're back in Charlotte, it's nice to reconnect to a bunch of old friends. And, you know, we, as virtually all conversations do nowadays, they shift towards the COVID, the vaccine discussion and all of that. And first I like, there's this whole litany of disclaimers that I feel like I need to give every single time we start talking about this topic. Like, I have a vaccine, I got the vaccine, but I don't support vaccine mandates, right? Also, the reason for the vaccines originally doesn't seem to be the argument for the vaccines now, although I am compelled in both scenarios, I am persuaded in both scenarios to get the vaccine. Now, all of these points matter. They do, they all matter. The problem is people like to cherry pick the anecdotes, the uh, the anomalies, or like, well, I can't trust the you know CDC because they've changed their opinion on masks, for example, right? And that is true. They flipped on the masks, so I can't. Yeah, that, like your credibility suffers when when Fauci tells the noble lie, so to speak. If you even believe that it was a noble lie, but if you uh, if you tell the noble lie, then you still have to suffer the ramifications. You have to resign. That's the whole point. Is that it was a noble lie, but you also recognize that you had to lie, and therefore nobody can trust you going forward. But there's this lack of accountability, which now doesn't provide confidence going forward, right? And now you've got this these uh, explainer pieces that come out around the holidays. In the past, what, four or five years, it was always, how to talk to your crazy, knuckle-dragging, mouth-breathing, Trumpkin uncle at Thanksgiving about Trump, you know. And you get all these these uh, advice columns, which, by the way, I read uh, I read a lot of conservative publications and the um, there really are not these helpful explainers offered up in conservative media about how to talk to your leftist nieces and nephews. You know, they, it's just it's just not given. It's just a different mindset. And I'm at the point now on the vaccine stuff. Because we are at a point, and I'm going to get into this about endemic versus pandemic, that the vaccinations are now, in my view, therapeutic. That's how I view them now. And that's really the explicit argument, because we now know that people who got vaccinated, like me, we can still get it and we can still spread it. And if that's the case then what's the what's the sales pitch for it? The sales pitch is that if you get the vaccine and you do contract COVID-19, then it will be less deadly for you. And for me personally, my risk assessment is sold. I will that sounds good to me. I'll I'll do the uh, I'll do the vaccine. It's got a, a lower risk profile than getting COVID. For me and for my comorbidities. Now you will have a different risk assessment and only you can make that assessment. Okay, but that's where it ends for me. This is like this is where it ends. If you're going to tell me I got to get boosters for the rest of my life, like, I'm sorry, but this is where I get off the train. It is important news for sure. Congressman David Price not running for reelection. He is uh, retiring. He is North Carolina's fourth congressional district representative, and uh, he is out. And uh, this is a Democrat seat. So 
Uh, it's going to get it's going to get crowded pretty quickly, I suspect. Wiley Nickel has already uh, raised like three hundred thousand dollars, I think, for the seat. So uh, some people may have gotten advance notice. All right, so how to deal with an anti-vaxxer at a holiday dinner? <clears throat> this is from Bloomberg.com, and they interviewed Chip Massey a former FBI hostage negotiator and now partner of Convincing Company who said the first thing to get inside your mind is that facts will not work. The thing that really amazes me about the entire debate over vaccinations and mandates and all this stuff now is that everybody says the same stuff. Everybody has their set of talking points that they use. No one's being persuaded by any of the other arguments. And for the life of me now, it's like I don't even know what the point is of the argument, right? Because once the and, – and by the way, we're about to find out what's going on because I've got the data on this as well that what's – you know, the, uh, the Delta variant and the spread that occurred throughout the southern states that was all being attributed to the evil, stupid Republican governors – you realize what's happening now up in the Northeast? Yeah, it, their numbers are going up. They've been going up for a couple of weeks now. They are now about to get what the South already had. But you will not see the kind of coverage that the Southern governors faced and Republicans faced. You're not going to see that. I've got examples of it. But it's going to be a different kind of narrative that gets expressed. Because these are our states. And this is so bad for the for the discourse because what the what the northern variant or what the delta variant through the northern wave the northeastern wave what this has the potential to show us is whether this is a thing called um, a leaky vaccine. This is what Steve Dace wrote about this. He's a, a talk show guy. Um, he was on Twitter. He did put together a huge thread about this over the weekend. He's a public policy guy, he says, and, you know, he's, he looks at this from a public policy standpoint. And I tend to do the same thing, I believe. And the leaky vaccine idea is that the vaccine might actually be helping to make things worse to some degree because the, um, the, uh, it may cause the spike protein to bind rather than to, uh, to, uh, to fight away, right? So if it's, what, if it's what's called a leaky vaccine – then that's going to be pretty bad. And we're going to find out because the Northeastern states are way more vaccinated. See, because up until now you could say, well, the Southern states don't have, uh, you know, the national average of vaccinated levels. And so therefore that's why we're seeing the numbers. Well, up North, they got way higher. Vermont has like the highest vaccination rate in America. And now they're starting to see, um, they're starting to see the upright or the uptick in cases. And so what might this show us is that we may have a problem with the vaccines. Well, I don't know. And again, I feel the need to point out this is, you know, in science and in an evolving viral situation, you have to be willing to adapt to new information. And it seems like a lot of people hardened their positions early on and are now unwilling to move off of those positions. For me, I saw the vaccines. They had great promise. 
Uh, I knew they weren't 100%, but they were pretty good. But I'm also a guy who gets a flu shot. So I'll go and get the vaccine. And I got the, you know, the two shots. I got the Pfizer. But now if you're telling me I have to keep getting boosters forever, well, now that means my risk of having a negative side effect from the vaccine, now that's going to go up, right? Whereas before it was fixed. But now if you're telling me I have to get vaccines every three or four months, now my risk is going to escalate. And at some point, that juice isn't worth the squeeze for me any longer. And that's what you always got to ask yourself. Is the juice worth the squeeze? And at some point, it isn't. At some point, my risk assessment changes. And I'm not going to be in the camp of telling people, well, your risk assessment is wrong based on what I think your risks are, not knowing anything about your medical conditions. I'm not in that camp. I don't want to be in that camp. And uh, it, it, and I had this position from the beginning. It's why I've opposed the mandates, these vaccine mandates. We got them here at the office. I'm not happy about it. I already had my vaccination, but I'm not happy about it. Because I don't think that's a proper place for an employer to be doing that stuff. And And, and the more that people push, the more you're going to get a fight. And if you're looking for a fight, then you don't get to complain and cry about it when the fight comes to you, because that's what's coming. This It's only going to get worse. Are you watching videos from around the world where they've done the vaccine passports? Are you seeing that? And these are coming from countries that generally don't protest. And can you imagine what the protest scene would look like in America if it was Donald Trump forcing vaccines on everybody? Do you think there might be a strong anti-fa, anti-authoritarian kind of vibe going through America right now, too? Absolutely. Because narratives. Because narratives. So here's an idea. At your holiday dinner, if you're not comfortable with everybody being there, then don't invite everybody to come celebrate. Okay? Just don't don't invite everybody. Easy way around it. Hmm. All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. How to deal with an anti-vaxxer at a holiday party, at a holiday dinner. This is a Bloomberg.com story. And they actually interviewed a former FBI hostage negotiator for this, <laughs> which it's just absurd. Why do you care? This is the thing that gets me now. Why do you care? If you're vaccinated, you're fine. Right? Why do you care? You're like, well, I can't get vaccinated because I'm immunocompromised. Okay, so what? You were going to have a holiday dinner as an immunocompromised person. You were going to have a, a, a dinner. And were you going to invite a whole bunch of people over? Because that's not safe. Right? That's not safe. If you invite everybody over, you're inviting all these people over and they're vaccinated, they can still spread it to you. So I, I'm not. And the more people you bring over, the greater risk you take. Life is about these kinds of risk assessments. And if you're too worried about the risk, then don't have the dinner or don't invite a lot of people to dinner, right? Or don't go to the dinner, whatever, like make decisions based on your own risk assessment. And then when you get there, assume that everybody there has made their own risk assessment. And once you go into it with that mindset, then you can just enjoy being, you know, around the people that you're hanging out with. 
right? Because I'm vaccinated. Somebody's not around me. And if they get me sick, I'm going to get sick. I, I don't know what else to do. And vice versa, by the way, vice, vice versa. The first thing this uh, FBI hostage negotiator says is um, facts will not work. I've seen very well-meaning people come armed which is an interesting word, come armed with logic and science to go against red hat wearers. That will never carry the day. Because they don't care about facts. Look, neither side I've seen, like the more strident folks in both camps, they don't care about facts. This is not something that's strictly the anti-vaxxers. It's not, this is not a dynamic only on that side of the debate. There are the pro-vaxxers who are also immune to facts. Yeah. Like, for example, that, you know, there are people who have some negative side effects from getting the vaccine. And just simply saying that, by the way, is, is a cause for censorship or even deplatforming on social media. Simply pointing out true facts. And that doesn't make me an anti-vaxxer, by the way. Like I said, I took it. I look at the vaccines as a therapeutic. And I think the more people start looking at them like that, the less insane we're going to be. But then again, that's just optimism on my part. You know me, I'm an optimist. Um, I just, I, I cannot see this lasting much longer without getting really bad really quickly. Um, just the way that, that people are being pitted against each other. We're, we're creating a caste system. He says, second, don't think that you'll resolve anything or that you'll even discuss vaccines necessarily over that meal. Now, I do agree with him on that. Don't think you're going to resolve anything. Don't. There's, there's not a reason to have any kind of a discussion if you think there's going to be a resolution. Like, do you think you're going to walk in there and be like, well, please do it for me? And they're going to be like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And you're like, yay. And then they actually go out and do it. You think that's what's going to happen? Uh, But what you can do is begin the necessary prep work for future persuasion. So at a holiday gathering, plan a collaborative activity like a puzzle or Legos or prepping dinner. In other words, act normal, people. Just act normal. Don't be a jerk. Which is really kind of good news or uh, uh, good advice um, in general, right? Then there was this from our local Fox 46 affiliate um, by John Anderer. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this was via a, a website called studyfinds.org. But, and they were pu- it was published at fox46.com a few weeks ago. One in eight say loved ones with opposing COVID views are not getting holiday gifts. <laughs> So people now are not going to be buying presents for their loved ones if they have different views about COVID. Now, is it just having different views or is it having different views and constantly telling me about your views? Is that the idea? Is that people just won't shut up about the views (laughs) on Facebook, on Twitter, on all their social media? They have to let you know. Like, I understand the the pro-vaccine zealots. Like, I get that. I, I get that. Like, they think they're saving people's lives, right? So I understand that. And maybe there's some degree of that on the anti-vaxxer side where they think they're saving people's lives by not getting the vaccinations. Maybe there's some of that. 
But the people who are just like, you know, don't get the vaccine because we don't know what's in it and we don't know the long term effects and all of that. Like, it's not really a don't take it or you'll die kind of an argument. It's a it's a don't take it because we don't know kind of argument. And that just it doesn't lend itself to the kind of zealotry that I see some people engaging in. Like, why do you care so much that people are going out and getting these vaccines? They're not hurting you. Right. So. Why do you care so much? Now, I can see why you would care if the people who are going out and getting the vaccines now are going to create like a whole other economy, like some black market uh, leper economy that they're going to relegate you to. I get that. But just the idea of the vaccines, I, you know, I don't understand people. And I see them. Like I get the emails. I see the, the tweets and the Facebook posts of people who are like, stop taking the vaccines, like making it their mission. I don't get that. I don't get that. But I'm also at a point now, given what we know about the vaccines and their efficacy and their uh, the durability and the, the, the how long the effects last, I also now kind of wonder why so many people are still, like, zealots for that. Yeah, so a study that was commissioned by Coinstar finds that one in eight Americans plan on skipping holiday shopping for family and friends who do not share the same COVID-19 opinions as them. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? Why? What are you doing? Do you really want to be that person? Like, in, in another five, ten years, whatever, I mean, after the Chinese, you know, set off the nukes and we're in the wasteland and stuff like why do you want to be remembered for that 39 percent of the 2007 respondents can't afford to buy as many gifts as usual another 34 percent blame their tight holiday budget on either being unemployed or working a low-paying job uh in comparison 67 percent in 2019 uh, say that they were on a strict holiday uh, budget. Uh, 59% um, now say that, which is weird. Two-thirds of the poll say they prefer money over physical gifts, and nearly 3 in 10 plan on re-gifting this year, so, which I am a fan of. I re-gift if I'm not going to use a gift. If I didn't want it, I will re-gift, absolutely. I re-gift it to, yeah, I, I re-gift to all of the people whose politics I don't share. That's how that's supposed to work, right? That's <laughs> give me a break. No, I am a big believer in the uh, uh, in the gift cards, though. Like, just seriously, if you've given people gifts, now look, I understand if you've had arguments over this stuff, and you've now gotten to a place where you can't even talk to the people, you're not on good terms with them because of all of this. Well, first, you're going to have to work to repair that relationship. But if you're too blinded by stupidity, and that's really what it is at this point, like you're just entrenched. Do you, I mean, there are people, and I, I understand I've also read a little bit about uh, some of the side effects that they're looking at, uh, people who get uh, like a brain fog as a permanent, uh, long-lasting kind of uh, side effect of COVID. There's like, there's some, there is an impact on brain activity and the like, so Unless there's something like that going on, like seriously, it's that it would be like, are do you guys do you have these kinds of arguments over the flu shot? If you don't argue about this stuff over the flu shot, I would submit you probably shouldn't be arguing like that over the 
the vaccinations now because the because we are learning a lot more every day that goes by we learn more and my initial assessments have not uh and reactions and what i thought were good courses of action they have not all stayed intact and yours shouldn't either nobody should we should be changing course as new information becomes available right we should be um Here's a here's an email from uh, to this point, email from Joseph who says when Herman Cain died there was no vaccine available and the left had a field day with it despite his cancer diagnosis so I'm not perturbed at people making hay out of Colin Powell's COVID death. These are the times we live in. So be it. Um, yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, and look, I understand the sentiment. Uh, I'm not going to be that person though. I, I'm not going to be the guy that dances on other people's graves and uses them for uh, for political hay. I'm not going to do it. I didn't do it with Herman Cain because he's, he was a human being and he had people that loved him and cared about him and he died. And that's sad. I, I don't, especially in the 24, 48 hours afterwards, right? I, it's It's not something I do. If I don't have something nice to say about somebody, and this has happened, I don't say anything. I just say he died. That's it. I'll just say the person died and that's it. I'm not going to go like with Colin Powell. I'm not going to go bashing Colin Powell for things he did and said or whatever. This isn't the time to do it. I don't need to do that. So now uh, maybe it would be different if, you know, I don't know, the like the president of China. died. Oh, here we go. Uh, North Korea. Right. If, if that guy dies, then, OK, maybe. Right. Like maybe I would have. Uh, a little bit more latitude in my <laughs> in my analysis, but for most people, I don't engage in that sort of stuff, and I just I think it's unseemly. Okay, um, he goes on to say though that the vaccine uh, the vaccine stinks, and yes, I'm vaccinated. The best we can hope for is treatments like uh, the Merck looks good. Thankfully, that's the pill. I've got that story here in the stack of stuff. Uh, as well as the natural tendency of respiratory viruses to become less lethal. We should have spent all that warp speed money on antibody clinics in every town instead of jab joints with their doses going bad. So again, you can make that argument. That's totally fine to say we should have done that. But we didn't know, right? Like, just like I'm not going to judge historical figures by current standards of ethics and morals and whatever like i'm not going to judge people by my current standards say they should have lived like i live now i'm not going to do that for a year ago i'm not going to say well they should have known that this was the way to go not going to say that they tried this is why here's another example of it the um the big uh vaccination uh, uh events that they did uh at the stadiums right i think they did one at erickson Oh, see, I did it again. Bank of America. How old is that, right? No, I don't even call it that. I don't even know why I say that. Bank of America Stadium and uh, the one in uh, Greensboro. I think the feds did one in Greensboro. And there were people that were criticizing them for doing that and Governor Cooper for doing it. I was not one of them. You got to try what works. You know, you see if it works and if it works, then you keep doing it. And if it doesn't, you stop. Which, by the way, you notice the lotteries. They stopped doing the lotteries. Because they didn't work. I've got the story here. Hang on a second. Let me pull that up. Do, 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 do. 
This was um, in a piece at the Progressive Pulse, which is NC Policy Watch, right? Uh, Despite the vaccine lottery, North Carolina's overall vaccination rate remains below the national average. The chance to win a million dollars did not lead to increased vaccination rates against COVID-19, according to a new study published Friday that examined the states that held vaccine lotteries earlier this year. So it didn't work. Okay, well, good to know. You know, good to know. Am I going to bash Cooper and every single state that did lotteries to try to increase vaccinations? No, I am not. Was it a waste of $4 million to give away these four $1 million prizes? Yeah, because the objective was to increase vaccinations, and it didn't do the job. So was it a failure? Yes. Do I think that they, you know, people need to pay the price for it? No, they were trying to practice battlefield medicine. Try what works. And if it doesn't work, move on. That's the key. If it doesn't work, move on. And I feel like a lot of people aren't moving on from things that don't work.